We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. We're talking Alvin Kamara, Mike Thomas, and Mike Davis, and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. It has been an action packed week on the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show thus far, and we are continuing along here. Curtis, I know that you have some potentially mind blowing stats ready for us, I believe. This episode, it's a Friday. I called him Mike Thomas. I think most people call him Michael Thomas, but I'm ex- you know interested to see what your thoughts on are, uh, what your thoughts are on this unfortunate injury uh, for Thomas and what that's going to shake things up in in New Orleans. But how are you doing, my friend? Doing great, man. Uh, it's been a great week. You know, by the time this episode's playing, I've made my trip to Buffalo and back, passport in hand. Uh, on on the down downhill uh, countdown to uh, island time for a couple of days, so um, that's all good. Uh, definitely, really easy for me to live my stay positive uh, mantra uh, it, with, with weeks like this ahead on the calendar. I would have also by this time, looking at what I would have done uh, this week by the time this is uh, laid down Friday, would have completed uh, the pros versus Joes. Uh, best ball competition draft with you know one of my best friends in the industry, uh, Ryan McDowell. Really, uh, just enjoy that. We finished second place every 
all three years in the competition, Dave, second place. And we've been passed in either the, the next to last or last week in every single season. So we, we are uh, the odds on favorites. Um, they actually set, uh, they set betting odds for this competition. <laughs> and for the first, for the first time, uh, uh, Ryan and I are, are favored uh, to win, uh, to win our draft, which is fantastic. But I mean, we are hungry, man. I mean, we're not sitting on, you know, all these runner up, uh, this is not an Indianapolis Colts, uh, situation where we're hanging false banners from the rafters. I mean, we, we want that title. So I would have had a lot of fun, uh, doing that Tuesday, um, and you know, man, I mean, camp's almost here. So much fun NFL news. Uh, yeah, man, it, it is, it is sunshine and rainbows everywhere and happy to talk about, uh, some, some Michael Thomas, uh, now. So listen, is there a drop that you need to play or do you just want me to dive right into some Michael Thomas? We can jump right in and I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to try to keep, see, I've been doing good with the drops this week and I, I know which one I'm going to next. I was not ready to throw a drop in here because we made a change to the show sheet. Long story short, jump into it. Okay. So, so the, the injury is really frustrating. You know, in recent weeks, I'd really talked myself into Michael Thomas as, you know, maybe one of the really key players in fantasy this year. Um, you know, former, uh, former elite alpha you know, really just had, had a forgettable 2020 campaign, you know, uh, due to injury and, you know, a situation where wide receiver depth in new Orleans is shaky at best after him. And it was just really set up for him to have one of those epic, epic, uh, target share seasons and just raw target count seasons. Um, and so it's really frustrating. So, you know, he had uh, surgery in June with a four month timeline. Now, I don't have the actual date of his surgery. Not sure uh, whether that's actually been reported. Um, find that, that most of the articles that, uh, that I'm finding just say that he had, you know, a, a June procedure. Um, and so, you know, it's really unclear if that means uh, at the end of September, he should be ready to go or the end of October because surgery June 30th is obviously different than surgery June 1st. So that's one thing. Uh, but when you start lining up, you know, this recovery timetable with the NFL season, it kind of just seems like why would they have him play before week seven? They've got a week six bye. So I think that's how you approach Michael Thomas and redraft. Uh, you're you're going to miss the first third of the season with him uh, or a little bit more. Um, it's going to be very difficult to pull the trigger aggressively enough. There's probably going to be somebody else who wants to take that risk more than you. I definitely think he's going to be important in redraft. Uh, and so he's not coming off my board. Uh, it's just going to be, you know, it's a stick. It's really a sticky situation. And then, you know, not only do you have to deal with that, you have to figure out what does it do to all the other players uh, in, in the Saints offense? What could this potentially mean at the quarterback uh, position? I'd like to hit that for a minute or two with you and get your thoughts there. And then, of course, what does it mean for, you know, the other, you know, really big fantasy name there and Alvin Kamara, you know, personal favorite of mine. Uh, and many at Rotoviz, you know, we we did you know quite well uh, across really our entire ownership team and, and analyst team because of our aggressiveness on that player last year. So, um, yeah, Dave, I think uh, last last note on on Michael Thomas there in Dynasty, I think it's a clear buy situation. He's kind of already in that discounted corridor because of Drew Brees leaving, and he's in like that you know mid prime age where a lot of the the really aggressive uh uh youth 
uh, I guess, aggressive uh, youth centric uh, dynasty owners or, or youth uh, pre- preference dynasty owners will be shedding players like this. But so he almost kind of gets like triple discounted age plus Drew Brees plus missing half a season. Uh, but I think Michael Thomas's uh, statistical profile suggests that he's probably just going to be good, you know, for a couple more years. And we don't have to keep paying, you know, those first and second round startup prices on him like we did for Julio Jones as he got into his late 20s. Uh, we actually can just, you know, get him, uh, you know, a little cheaper now. So uh, for the dynasty uh, community, positive stuff, redraft, just lots and lots of confusion. Yeah. And so actually, we don't know. I don't know how official this is when we're actually recording it, but I've also seen some reports starting to come out that it could be 10 to 12 weeks, which at mm. that point Mm-mm-mm. really decimates the redraft stock. But, um, Let's say it was, you know, a situation where he could come back in that six, seven week timeline. I think you're right. I don't think that they rush him back, at which point you're kind of getting close to half of the fantasy season gone. Um, So I think that that for most people, that kind of should preclude you from going ahead and taking Thomas. I Mm -hmm. think that there's really only downside. Um, even if, even if the team does come out and they make the case, okay, all signs are pointing up for him to be back week seven or something. I would be very resistant to trust that just because there's likely to be a player at that point that you can get that maybe they don't have quite the upside that you would get with Thomas, but that is going to be able to contribute to your team early on from the beginning. You're not going to be sitting there clogging that roster spot. I just think from a roster management standpoint, you're probably going to be better off. Um, So that's what I would do with Thomas in redraft. We're going to have to talk about that more, though, now once we have a more clear timeline. But for the time being, I'm going to be pretty hands off. Let's talk, though, now about the rest of the team, Curtis. I'll let you take the floor there. Give me your thoughts on specific. I want to hear about uh, your boy, Alvin Kamara. Okay, so we'll we'll get to the meat, uh, the meat of that uh, last. So, uh, okay, Adam uh, Troutman was already, you know, Adam Troutman was already, you know, kind of a trending, uh, you know, tight end uh, play for for volume purposes uh because of the lack of of depth that wide receiver I was talking about uh in New Orleans and so this de- definitely makes him even more interesting uh the team's going to have to do something so we'll have to see uh we'll have to we'll have to see what that front office can can cook up oh, but well, for did, right now so, I mean sorry to cut you off ahead, here but I don't know because I actually think that this might have happened to like while we were recording here uh they it looks like they're going to bring in Chris Hogan Former lacrosse star Chris Hogan. I'm ignoring that. Dude. Okay, I already I saw that. Uh, I saw that update before we recorded. No, you don't think I need to do uh, a, a you know a breaking news headline for that? If if you if you have if you have the drop ready, you can play it uh, right. just so it gets a workout. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so um, Chris Hogan isn't going to save anyone's season, you know, at this point. Um, not at least with the sport of football. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Adam Troutman, I think is, he's one of the very few tight ends right now that would probably be, uh, a, a strong bet to be either his team's number one or two target getter in terms of raw targets, uh, at the end of the season, uh, the other player. So, so Troutman, uh, I haven't actually seen a lot of people talk about this. So, you know, there may be, you know, a value window there still on him and definitely from, uh, a, a non redraft, non best ball perspective and the dynasty perspective, he becomes a pretty interesting target. Um, I think also in the quarterback 
uh, in the quarterback competition. Now, first, uh, Sean Payton has stopped being quite so cryptic in what he's going to do with the quarterback competition. And um, in, a, in a recent interview I saw, kind of sort of seems like this is, you know, this has been Taysom Hill's job um, and that, that T- Jameis Winston is going to be the fallback option. Um, the, the the front half of this interview started, you know, off by talking about all the different facets of performance that um, Taysom Hill brings to the table and that like basically every position coach on special teams and offense views Taysom Hill as part of their depth chart. And so he just gets very difficult to replace when, you know, if he's going to be your starting quarterback, you know, he's not playing tight end of those specialty packages. He's not, um, you know, gunning on, on the punt team. He's not in the jumbo package uh, as, you know, a fullback or whatever, you know, all of those position coaches have to adjust. But then he goes on and says, you know, if he's the right person to win the game, you know, and if he's the right quarterback, you know, then you have to weigh that. Um, they paid him big money and he basically begged him not to leave, you know, last year. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that there's all kinds of um, unwritten conversations, uh, uh, you know, unsocialized conversations that have occurred there over the years um, to where it's just going to shock me if Taysom Hill doesn't get this job. But I think Michael Thomas becoming injured makes it even more so the case. You know, now the Saints, you know, how are we going to win games? You know, a ball control creative offense that looks nothing like they did in the past. Like you're not, you're just not going to win attacking teams down the field with, you know, a combination of Traquan Smith, what Marquez Callaway and Chris Hogan, like it's just not, I mean, it's even worse than what new England uh, trotted out there at, at wide receiver last season. So, you know, a downfield passing attack with Jameis Winston forcing the ball to very, very substandard receivers doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I think, you know, I'm really inferring um, that Taysom Hill will be the starter. So I think, you know, I, I'm, I was already very heavy on Taysom Hill uh, in my best ball, best ball portfolio. But in this latent period uh, of additional updates before it becomes official, I'm going to be drafting me even more aggressively. And then finally, we get to Alvin Kamara. And so I go back to our old standby uh, of, of what has Kamara done uh, with and without Michael Thomas, because uh, that's the first thing. And then, you know, what we know to be true for this entire season, regardless of whether Thomas plays at all, is that, you know, Drew Brees is out of the picture. So let's start there. Alvin Kamara with and without Drew Brees uh, since 2017, 52 games with Brees, eight without. Uh, he averaged about five and a half uh, points more per game with Brees in the lineup, uh, 22, 22.8 three PPR per game over a 52 game sample, man. That's how elite is Alvin Kamara uh, over that period. It's just really neat. He kind of gets overshadowed because of Todd Gurley and Christian McCaffrey also happening during that time period. But Kamara just so special, man. And in the eight non Drew Brees games uh, still averaged 17, uh, 16.98 PPR to be specific. So 272.16 game full pace. Very impressive, not league winner stuff like his 358 uh, point pace has been with Drew Brees, where it starts to get really interesting. Uh, so, so that's a little bit of a negative view, right? So he's played amongst those eight games. There were some Taysom Hill starts and there were some Teddy Bridgewater starts. Um, and so I think, you know, earlier in the offseason, people were a little hesitant on Alvin Kamara. But then you start looking at, okay, well, wh- you know, of course, all these games happened within, uh, you know, that same time period. You know, what did Alvin Kamara do when Michael Thomas was out of the lineup? Well, there were eight such games last year. Those are the eight games that Kamara's played without Michael Thomas. 
and he averaged 30.89 PPR in the eight non-Michael Thomas games. I mean, that's like, that's like even Ooh. with, even at Pete yeah. Christian McCaffrey, like Kamara's pacing right there with CMC. And so we're going to, you know, this is like, you know, which extreme is going to play out? Is it going to be that Kamara's really good and can still have some success even without a, a quarterback that's going to force him, you know, the dink and duck, dink and dunk uh, reception stuff like, you know, that he's made his living on from a PPR perspective um, or is what's going to win out uh, Kamara truly being the sole focus of the offense, even uh, from a receiving perspective in non-Michael Thomas uh, scenarios, regardless of who the quarterback is. I mean, Kamara in his eight games without uh, Michael Thomas last year, paced for 1,124 receiving yards uh, and 138 targets, Dave. Like, what? that's a half-season sample, man. Like, it, yeah, dude, it's not It's not even, this isn't like, this is a little four-game sample. It's a half-season sample, man. Oh, my a word. A half-season sample. So, you know, so... You know, probably the way to play it is down the middle. Uh, you know, of course, it's always the safest way to play it. But, uh, you know, when you look at how drafters has been approaching this before the Michael Thomas news, uh, Kamara had started to gain, you know, a little bit of momentum uh, earlier this offseason on uh, on the FFPC, which, of course, is, is tight in premium. Um, you know, Kamara was really kind of in this murky area where, you know, do you take Barkley, Saquon Barkley, do you take Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry was very popular at the 104 uh, earlier this off season. And then, you know, the kind of the clear cut top three all along has been Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook and Travis Kelsey. But, you know, momentum in recent, in recent weeks, uh, Kamara is actually there at player number four overall. He had uh, usurped Derrick Henry. Uh, they have ADPs of 4.7 and 4.9 respectively. So, you know, I think the momentum is there. Will the Michael Thomas in injury help people feel even more emboldened on that take? Or could it create another little value window, you know, with people maybe thinking that other teams will be able to focus too much on Kamara and we still don't know who the quarterback is. So definitely a player to watch, man. You know, he's already proven that he can win people fantasy championships year in, year out. And, uh, you know, conditions conditions could be uh, ripe for, uh, an Alvin Kamara RB1 overall season, even if McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook stay healthy all year. Just really, really cool stuff, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. 
It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, so I was, as I said to you, like before we started recording, I was pretty high on Alvin Kamara to begin with. Uh, obviously people could take this either direction. To me, there is more evidence supporting the fact that Kamara remains a top level running back than there isn't. You can look at the splits. You can look at the prior history. You can just kind of observe how good of a running back he is playing for a coach that is experienced in using him that though doesn't have an identity that actually might allow this team to do some things unexpected. Uh, and again, if I had to hedge my bets here, if I have to look at what seems like the thing that is more likely to happen, I think it's that Alvin Kamara continues to do what we've seen. As a result of that, he remains a top-level target for me, a player that I'm very excited to draft in the coming season. Yes, there's a lot of questions, but I think that it watch. it's going to be fascinating to see what this team tries to do in terms of its receivers. If it doesn't bring any names, I feel like they have to continue to keep Kamara involved. Maybe you see him getting less rushing work, more rushing work for Latavius Murray, uh, but that would not be a bad thing at all for Kamara. So a lot of interesting things to develop there. We have spent a lot of time, though, on the Saints, rightfully so, but I did want to... Take a little deep dive on Mike Davis, a player that I think is an interesting case study as we look forward to the 2021 season. Uh, the quick summary here, he's been in the league for six years. He has a couple of interesting splits. In 17 games, he's received more than 10 carries. In those games, he's put up 16.18 fantasy points. His out of split numbers, so 34 games where he did not get more than 10 carries, he's at just 4.87 points per game. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is if you consider that in the context of last season, it's actually a little bit misleading because if you look for games in his splits in his career where he's received more than five targets, he's actually at 18 PPR per game. That's 11 games. In his 40 games, with five or fewer targets, he's at just six PPR points. But last year, you probably remember, he started off the year pretty hot, put up three consecutive RB1 weeks between weeks three and week five, and then kind of disappeared with little sputters in what I think were like weeks 11 and 14. The interesting thing, though, Curtis, if you go into the player stat explorer and you bring up Mike Davis and you look at his PPR output, by week, and then you align that with his targets by week, you will see that his big performances track very closely with his high target volumes. And in weeks two through week five, he was averaging probably what looks like eight and a half targets per game. After that, things fell down to normally between three to five targets, maybe like four and a half targets per game. And that when that decrease happened, that's when we saw the fall off. So you might say to yourself, he's going to Atlanta. What happened in Atlanta last year in terms of 
passing volume. So Matt Ryan threw a ton of passes, but Atlanta was 16th in the league in targets to running backs last year. And then they really spread the ball out. You had 34 targets to Todd Gurley, who played 15 games, 30 to Brian Hill, who played 16 games, 26 to Ito Smith, who played 14 games, and 15 targets to Kevin Smith, who played 16 games. Of course, this year, the running back depth chart, as it's constituted right now, includes Mike Davis, Cordero Patterson, Quadri Olison, and Javian Hawkins. So that's kind of setting the stage there. I think the other thing we need to think about is through Mike Davis's six years in the season, does he look like a tremendous running back? I think he might be okay. Definitely not an elite type of player. Last season ranked 35th in yards after contact, ranked 29th in broken plus missed tackles per attempt. Just bring those numbers up to say, I don't think this is an all-world talent. Atlanta's offensive line was average at best last year. It's expected to be similar in 2021. Looks like they might be returning two and a half to three starters on the offensive line. Though, like That's the key piece of information. To me, when I digest all of that, I think I'm looking at a player that needs some things to go his way, needs very specific usage in order for him to really pan out. And if I had to assign a probability, and if it was just, if we took this in a binary path here, I would say it's more likely to me than not that we don't see Mike Davis doing what he did towards the beginning of the season in Carolina. So I've just thrown out a ton of stuff. Why don't you chime in here for a minute? I mean, all I really have to say is just get the hell out of here with Mike Davis 2021 season. I mean, this is stupid for him to have a a fourth round ADP and be getting selected above Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Miles Gaskin um, in particular, those three running backs going right behind him uh, with the youth that's on their side uh, and Gaskin's uh, specific scenario, um, you know, one where he he paced at an RB1 level at the end of the season uh, rather than at the beginning of the season um, and the team you know didn't do anything to address that position in the offseason etn and williams i mean clearly better talents than than davis uh overall coming into the league and uh i mean you see cream hunt going after mike davis michael carter trey sermon um daryl henderson obviously still hasn't ad- adjusted uh but he's in that range I mean, I just can't imagine selecting Mike Davis in in round four. Um, it's the ultimate, like, just volume-based play uh, at, at running back. And so, look, I get it, um, but there are cheaper, you know, volume-based plays to be had out there. If you really just want, like, hey, who else is there really at the running back position on this roster and you want to draft a guy like that, just take Damian Harris, like, two and a half to three rounds later. Uh, and I'll have so much less of an issue um, with that. So, yeah, yeah, man. I, I mean, I think you you laid out the reasons for concern around Davis. Um, all of the reasons around optimism are basically just tied to opportunity. You and I are both big, as well as others on at Rotoviz on the big playability of Javian Hawkins, and then there's also just the you know the potential for um, the Falcons to just air the ball out like crazy. Uh, this year uh, with Kyle Pitts and, and Calvin Ridley and company uh, Cordero Patterson, obviously, you know, presents an issue there. If the, the team were to get uh, creative uh, using him uh, out of the backfield for, as a receiver, 
and Davis just becomes, you know, a boring, you know, first and second down pounder, that could really be disastrous. I, I think there's, it's so much more likely that, uh, you know, he is a RB dead zone slash frozen pond slash just clear avoid in, in fantasy than it is that he helps you win your league. Yeah, for sure. Just a lot of things need to go right for Mike Davis. So I had one other thing on the show sheet. We're not going to have too much time for it. So Curtis, I need you to get yourself psyched up to try to answer this question for me fairly succinctly because I do want to get it. This is the question. In Dynasty, when we're trying to value players, how do we value a player like Chris Carson, that aging veteran on the team that he's been with for a while? It's a bit of a known situation. How do we value him in comparison to a player like Daryl Henderson, who now finds himself in a spot where he could really make a name for himself, but there's still a little bit of murkiness there just because we don't know if he's really going to be able to cut it as the lead back for an extended period of time. So when you're thinking through something like this and kind of comparing and contrasting these players, what are the things that are going on in your mind? I mean, the main thing is, is uh, in comparing two players like this um, is one, a very clear bet to outscore the other in the current fantasy year that we're in. And, you know, if they finish similarly, what would happen to their ADP uh, trajectories uh, next year uh, slash dynasty trade values? Um, you know, which they're not necessarily interchangeable things, but they're highly interrelated. Um, so what we've seen since the Cam Akers industry, uh, injury uh, in our Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty uh, leagues over on FFP, FFPC, this is now the best possible uh, way to play Dynasty, especially high stakes Dynasty, but there's even leagues starting at 77 bucks. But best way to play Dynasty because... Uh, there, it, it takes the tried and true FFPC format, uh, extends the number of position players that you can own, but there are also some just nice little uh, adjustments to ensure parity. And the FFPC has never had a league fold. Uh, so this is the premier place to play. And, you know, tons of players are, are playing 69 leagues completed uh, in the sample size that I'm looking at. Daryl Henderson and Chris Carson now have nearly identical uh ADPs uh, over the last three drafts. If I look at the last five drafts that have completed, uh, it includes a couple drafts that uh, were already in process before the injury occurred. And Carson still has an ADP about 16 picks higher. Now, if Carson and Henderson both finishes like, let's say mid to low end RB2s this year, uh, Carson is, uh, I think about three years older, um, has a bit of injury history to him. um, And, you know, play, I mean, I think that's really all of it. Um, Daryl Henderson uh, being several years younger and then equally exciting, perhaps maybe even more exciting offense uh, with the age on his side and a similar finish, his ADP would continue to be bolstered. He's probably in the team picture of a top 50 dynasty startup pick next year uh, going into uh, what would be his age 24, age 25 season. Uh, it, it's just, they're, they're players at different spots in their career. Chris Carson has to continue to produce just to slow his value degradation and dynasty. Whereas if Henderson produces, uh, there's still a chance at rocket ship stuff. Um, and if they both fail, uh, Carson is of an age that people won't care about what he did for them a couple of years ago. And the Henderson 
detractors, you know, would, you know, quickly, you know, pile on uh, and drive his ADP back down as well. So there, there's like no insulation for either player because of their unique situations. Uh, but only Henderson can become extremely valuable. So that that's, the, I mean, I would definitely make this trade uh, straight up, um, even on a competing team, just because I would feel so confident about finding uh, another way to get running back production this year. So to maybe end this, um, I would trade Chris Carson for Daryl Henderson straight up uh, in Dynasty if you can find that deal out there. Uh, Dave, would you play that any different? Well, I think that, um, well, just for starters, I kind of asked the question because I think it's this is an interesting case of kind of comparing what you know versus what you don't know. I think that of the two, actually, right now, I would rather have Henderson. So I would actually trade. I would move Carson to get Henderson. I, I couldn't actually quite tell because I was also trying to look at some stats there. Were you saying that you would move Henderson for Carson or you would move Carson for Henderson? No, I mean, no, I said I would definitely move Carson for Henderson. Oh, I okay, mean, if, yes. if Henderson flops, yeah, if he flops, I mean, uh, the worst case scenarios are you're out, you know, next year Carson's definitely not going to be worth more than a dynasty second. Um, that's really what I would view as the, yep. you know, the potential downside of, of losing on the deal. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a hundred percent here that people should be, I, I mean, I would make that trade in a heartbeat. And I also think that people should be valuing Henderson above a player like Chris Carson. And the other reason I asked that question is because I think this is a key time to understand that. Well, there's still some uncertainty because if things go right for Henderson, if you think that they're going to, if that's what your mind is telling you when you go through all this information, now's the time to, you know, try to extract some dividends on that, right? To get in on him now. Uh, so, you know, you reach a point where there's like a trade-off between uncertainty and what you're actually able to get from that. You know, it's that classic thing of, you know, like bigger the risk, bigger the reward. Uh, but I think that like when you're playing Dynasty, it's important to try to get ahead of those things. And this looks like one of those situations that you should be getting ahead of. So I'm glad that we're on the same page there. It's Friday, Curtis. Yeah. Any closing thoughts Ooh, for us? Unless you unless you wanted to comment more on that. No, 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 we, we've got it covered. It's just different ways of saying the same thing, man. I mean, Henderson's an exciting player and, and, and Carson's never going to accrue any more value. Um, so yeah, so it is Friday. Um, we've been on kind of the, the stay positive, uh, stay positive track uh, over the past couple of weeks. So I want to, I want to go back to, um, I want to go back to the be kind track. Uh, cause that's, that's one of the other things. Look, stay positive, work hard, be kind. You know, that's that's what we live by here in, in the Patrick household. And man, for so many of you listening, you're either uh, fantasy football diehards, maybe, you know, a lot of different analysts listening here. And we're about ready to get into uh, the time of year where it is just a, a big, big uh, shouting match slash echo chamber slash attention uh, seeking situation on social media. And, you know, everyone trying to outdo each other, start seeing shade thrown at certain takes, et cetera. I mean, this industry and our community is so much more attractive to people that want to play fantasy uh, or people who might want to get into, you know, producing content um, when when we're, you know, supportive of each other's uh, uh, strengths rather than maybe calling out uh, things that we don't agree with uh, or or having awkward arguments online, throwing shade, those types of things. So, you know, just be kind, man. I mean, if you just ask yourself in every situation, um, what could possibly happen uh, if I was kind in this situation? 
versus if I, you know, me saying this negative thought uh, or aggressive comment that I'm thinking about right now, you would almost always uh, be better off uh, doing the kind thing. Um, and so, you know, just just think about that. Maybe that's going to help you out uh, at home uh, with the fam or in another relationship. But in particular, let's just be kind to each other uh, in this industry and, uh, you know, promote this great game. So it can be it can be a fun thing because that's what it's all about. Yes. Yes. The fun is something that should not be forgotten. And I will just add on to that, too. Uh if you haven't gotten to the point yet where like when you're playing fantasy, where you can emotionally recover in like 10, 15 minutes afterwards, uh, you know, like after you lose a game that was super frustrating, you feel like you shouldn't have had, I would highly recommend getting to that point. I got to that point <laughs> via playing just like more leagues than I could possibly manage uh, to the point where like it made me, you know, like I, I kind of like took a step back and was like, okay, like this is put in perspective me. Not every team can have everything go right for it. And then it gets fun. So I would just encourage people too to get back to the to the fun of actually playing and try to keep those negative things, you know, those negative emotions after bad after a bad Sunday, you know, to a minimum. Thanks for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotoVizFFShow at gmail.com. Visit RotoViz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.